that. All right, if you have your Bibles, please join me in Psalm, book of Psalms, chapter 34, 18 to 20. Uh, today I'm going to, I want to focus on the nearness of God and all my life you have been faithful. I love that. It's a great, uh, it's a great song. Actually, all the ones that we sang this morning, you can sing next Sunday and we'll get everybody, we'll get everybody on, on board with it. So in the culture in which we live, in the times in which we live, uh, it's becoming increasingly more difficult, uh, at least for the believers and for Christians to live. And, and sometimes we may have a tendency to believe that God is so far removed that he can't see us or hear us. And I was really drawn to these verses this week uh, on how I might be able to encourage and also challenge you this morning. Now this psalm is uh, when David fakes insanity to escape Abimelech. Uh, it's an acrostic. you notice there's 22 verses. There's 22 uh, letters in the Hebrew alphabet, and each verse begins with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So it's what we call an acrostic in uh, theological terms. A lot of metaphors here. David used mouth, lips, eyes, face, heart, taste, see, tongue, ears. So he uses a lot of uh, images, and most of them are centered on the human body, which is quite fascinating. The, the psalm really teaches turn from evil. And you look at David's life, you look at King David's life, and uh, on, he's, like a, he's like a paradox. On, on one end, David is a man after God's own heart, but on the other end, he shows that he's still sinful, that he needs God. And so that's like a lot of us today, a lot of us. We love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, but sometimes we don't always bring our A game into the world. Sometimes it's a D game. Maybe sometimes it's an F game. And, and there's, a, there's a tendency, there is a tendency within our lives to forget that God is with us, that God is close. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. First of all, we look at the fact that God is close, and he mentions here the brokenhearted. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. Lord there is uh, Yahweh, or uh, Hebrew-wise, uh, Yodehavev, which is the name for God. It is the one true God, is the God that created the universe, the stars, the solar system, all of those dimensions of how life came to be. He is the one true God, no matter what the world says. We worship the true God. And so David starts, the Lord, this Lord that is so majestic, so wonderful, so perfect, so holy, so high exalted, is near. Kavuv, kavuv is the Hebrew word. It means in close proximity. It refers not only to the proximity of God within our own lives, but it also in the sense of being in a relationship. 
So David was in fact in a relationship with God, even though David was on the run, he did all kinds of uh, what we would call sinful acts. He also knew that God was near in the midst of that personal turmoil that God was with him. And so uh, this is going to be extremely high tech. I want you to understand this. This is high, high tech. So this is how we view God a lot of times. God is far removed from us. Now through the magic of PowerPoint, I will now make this go there. You like that? Wait till you see the next slide. No, I'm just kidding. God is with us. And, and we know this from the New Testament because when we trust in Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit takes up residency in our hearts. And therefore, His Spirit, Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, His Spirit adopts our spirit in which we know that we belong to God in a relationship based on the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. So God is with us. Even though sometimes, even though sometimes it feels like God is so far removed, so far away from us, how can God be near to me in my brokenness? How do I know that God is with me? Here's how we know. The Bible says it. And therefore, we cling to it, we hold to it, and we trust in it that no matter what's going on in your life, and I don't know what's going on in your life today, I can honestly tell you this, that God is near you, even though you may not feel like he is. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. Psalm 145, 18, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. This word near is actually a wonderful word. It refers to that close relationship which may not be able to be seen in this world but is in fact close in relationship. I think probably one of the most uh, easily recognizable relationships is between a husband and a wife. Husband and wife, they live together, they cry together, they laugh together, they uh, know each other, and uh, I've been, we've been married, is it 41? Okay, I got it right, 41. <laughs> we've We've been married 41 years, and I kind of know my wife. There's Every once in a while, she surprises me, but uh, that is a working relationship. You may have a close friend that you, you talk to all, all the time, and uh, you're in a close relationship with them. That's kind of the same relationship that God has with us. But the issue here is growing in the closeness with God. Sometimes, let me say this, sometimes God may seem far away because our relationship's not quite right with him. And so it's simply, if we just call on him and say, Lord, create in me a clean heart, God immediately restores that relationship, not that it was ever lost, but it's distant. A husband and wife that may be having trouble and need to go to a counselor to work it out. 
Sometimes we might need to go to God and confess our sins and our shortcomings and draw that relationship back together. But this is what David, he's saying the Lord, the God of the universe is near and particularly near to the brokenhearted. When you look at the life of Jesus, who, who did Jesus spend time with? Jesus spent time with the sinners, the downcast. In fact, the ones that he had trouble with were the religious elites of the day. And so Jesus' primary ministry were to those that were downcast by society. Most of us here are never going to be world famous. But we do know our relationship with God and Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit is the most important relationship that we have. And so when he says the Lord is near the brokenhearted, David understood that. Times in his life when he... How long, O oh Lord, are you going to let my enemies continue? Dr. Peter Craigie, in his commentary, God's presence is experienced within these crisis situations. There is no divine guarantee that the righteous will escape crisis and trials of mortal existence. The fact is, by the very fact that you trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and as you live in this dark and uh, perverse world, and it's getting more perverse by the day, when you start standing up for Christ and you start standing up for the truth, you will have people pushing back on you. And sometimes that's not going to be pretty. And so God doesn't inoculate us from trials and tribulations. In fact, God uses those trials and tribulations to draw us closer to him and to make us stronger in our faith. And so... When I first got saved, I thought, wow, things are going to be so much better. And the day that I got saved, I went back and told some of my lost friends that I used to go hang out with at the bars. I, I went back and told them, I just accepted Christ. And they were like, what? When I was in Germany, they used to call me the sergeants, maybe the younger guys did because I was a sergeant. They used to call me Father Frazier. And some of my superiors picked on me because of my Christian faith. Here's, here's the issue. You're going to have trouble. Okay, everybody go home. It's all over. <laughs> You're going to have trouble. You're going to go through trials. And also, you have to understand something. This is the good news here. Even though you and I will go through trials and we'll have tribulations and we'll seem like God's far away, can you imagine approaching that from a lost person's perspective? The rain falls on the just and the unjust. What we have that the lost world doesn't have is a relationship with God who is with us. We know he's there no matter what comes in our lives. We know where he's there. But over here, the lost person has no hope. Let that sink for a minute. The lost person has no support system other than other maybe lost people in their lives who can offer nothing of eternal value. And so what I've learned in my Christian walk for many years is 
that I am so thankful that I am saved, that I know Christ. So the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. David carries it one step further and talks about the crushed. And, which is a conjunction which connects these two together, and saves the crushed in spirit. Daka. Broken into small pieces. Broken into small pieces. You ever had times like this? You ever have times when you're finished? You're broken. Oftentimes, we get in these situations where we have feelings of hopelessness and senselessness of the situation. God, why are you allowing this to happen? I can tell you this with reasonable assurance. God, write this down. God never waste a hurt. God never waste a hurt. So whatever it is that you're dealing with this morning, no matter what it is on the spectrum of life, uh, in, in, in the area of depression, of sadness, of sorrow, I will tell you this with reasonable assurance that God will never waste a hurt. He will never waste a moment in your life, even if it's not the mountaintop. That's where we like to live, right? We like to live on the mountaintop. I once heard a pastor, and it might have been a friend of mine, that said, all, all sunshine and no rain makes a desert. So when you're in these times of brokenness, when you're in these times of seeming despair, I want you to understand that God is with you. God is with you and will be with you all the way to the end of that trial. He will be with you. Life is, I like to put life as a three, three-pronged, however you want to talk about it, but you're either going into a trial, you're in a trial, or you're coming out of a trial, and praise God when we come out of the trial, right? But just know there's something right down the road you're going to fall back in and wind up in another trial. So he says here, and saves, which is Yoshinheim, which means to move from a place of danger to safety. Okay, the natural question would be, what about those Christians that die for their faith? What, what about those Christians that are killed or worse, they are maimed and they have all of these issues in life? The issue here is spiritual. You notice David uses the word spirit, which is ruha, which is wind, breath. It doesn't matter. The issue here is spiritual crushed. Now he says here, and God saves the crushed in spirit. As I see it, there are three types of pain. The first is physical. Those issues which we may have to deal with until we see Jesus. 
those are just part of the aging process sometimes sometimes we've broken a, a bone and it has to heal but those are physical issues and then there are those that are called emotional issues those in which our emotions go all over the place where's god i know a person right now that's in a very dark place and that person refuses to get help it's nobody in this church but that person is in an extreme dark place because of an event that happened in the in the past but then there is the spiritual dimension and david says and he saves he moves the place think of it this way if, if your relationship is right with God, he brings you into his arms spiritually so that you will begin to grow in your walk and in your faith in the midst of the storms, in the midst of the trials, in the midst of the persecution, all of those things. God says, okay, you have something that the lost world doesn't have. The lost world does not have Jesus. You do. So I'm going to bring you into a place of spiritual safety. There are times, there are times when we feel completely crushed. And there are times when we feel completely abandoned. But I want you to be mindful of this fact this morning that God is with you even in those times when you question or doubt. He goes with you through the fire. He goes with you. He's there and he loves you. John Golden Gay in his commentary, the outward deliverance will also bring inner healing. So when the psalm speaks of Yahweh drawing near to the people who are broken, it envisions Yahweh doing so in order to act. I can tell you this, that whatever trial or tribulation you're going through this morning, it is temporal. You say, well, I've had the same problem since 1920. I don't know if you'd have to be 103, right? To be, have to be 103. You may have had this problem your whole life. Well, I can tell you this, when you go to see Jesus, you're delivered. You go to see him face to face, you'll be delivered. It, it, and, and what I'm trying to drive at here is that God sees and he knows. This week in VBS, a lot of stuff about Peter. One of the stories that I had to read for the, what, what grade did you guys do? K through second. K, K through second. Of course, they don't have a very big attention span, but. So I read the story, and the story is that Jesus dismissed the crowd. He told the disciples to get into a boat, and he went up to the mountain to pray. Now you can imagine for a minute, Jesus, the Son of God, going up to the mountain. He looks out into the lake, and he sees the disciples out there struggling. Jesus saw their struggle. And he went to them. And they freaked out initially because they thought it was a ghost. Here's the thing. God is with you even when you think he's not. God is with you. We can trust that. David, King David's writing this. 
He draws near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. That's you. That's me. So in those moments in your life when you feel like, Ugh, what are you doing? I'm telling you that God knows exactly what he's doing. That that trial or tribulation that's happening in your life, if God didn't know about it, he ceases to be God. But because he knows about it, he knows when, it, when you're going to be done with it. And it, it, it may be within a month or two months or whatever it is. But I can tell you that God is with you all the time. Now, not only is the Lord close, but he's close in times of trouble. He's close in times of trouble. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Rav. And that means numerous. <laughs> there can be a lot of afflictions. Some spiritual, some emotional, uh, some physical. Uh, there, there can be a, a wide variety of issues that creep into your life. And, and sometimes it's because you have told somebody about Christ and the person that you told about Christ may push back on you, cause all kinds of problems for you. But the issue here is many, they're numerous. There's a lot of different ways in which we can find ourselves afflicted, raha. Now, this is an interesting word, raha. It can mean evil, misfortune, disaster, or trouble. You pick. Sometimes your afflictions are evil because somebody doesn't like you and they're talking evil about you. Sometimes it's just a misfortune, something that just happened. But I want you to realize again that God already knew that. And so we have that assurance that God is with us walking us through these storms in times of trouble. It could be a disaster. I think about these natural disasters that we see all the time, and I'm, I'm glad the Southern Baptists have these first responders that come on the scene that's able to help and, and also share the gospel with these lost people. Sometimes the word means trouble. Here's the bad news. You're going to go through difficult times. Just because you got saved doesn't mean that you're not going to encounter heartache. And in fact, I still maintain that God uses those trials, hardships, and struggles to strengthen our faith. And unfortunately, there are times in our lives when they not only weaken our faith, but they hinder our relationship with God. And that shouldn't happen. 1 Peter 2.21, Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example to follow. If you went through this life without any heartache or trial or tribulation, you would not even be able to identify with the Savior who went through trials, hardships, and tribulation. And so when we look at the life of Christ, if you go back and you read the, the Gospels, you will see that Jesus suffered. And that's our example to follow him 
And to be like Jesus, I think the goal of the Christian life, at least as I understand it, is to be more like Christ and less like the world. Well, if I want to be more like Christ, blessed are you when men revile you and speak all manner of evil against you, for great is your reward in heaven. It is becoming more like Jesus and less like the world. But even in those times, God is with us in those afflictions. Think about Moses. Think about David. Think about Paul. Think about Job. Man, you talk about a guy that had all kinds of trouble. Job lost everything. His friends said, oh, something wrong in your life. Something going on. You need to fix it. Not really. But do you know what Satan said to God? He said, let me mess with your servant Job. And you know what God said? You can do anything you want to him, but he's mine. That's MJF paraphrase. And he did. And you know what? At the end of Job, some say Job. <laughs> it's Job. God restored everything to him. It's kind of a picture of heaven, right? When we go through trials and tribulations and hardships and all kinds of bad stuff here, then God will restore us when we see him face to face. But the Lord, King David writes, writes but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Eventually, at some point. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. It's so easy, brothers and sisters, and I get it. I fully get it. Sometimes we get so focused on the here and the now that we forget the future. Think of it this way. Whatever trial you're going through, in a way, in a sense, I know this may sound strange, but in a sense, the trials that we go through are beneficial for us. They're beneficial for us. We may not think so at the time. But eventually they'll be beneficial for us. I think back to when I went through air assault school with the Army in Hawaii. And there was a lot of pain involved in that. One day the, this corporal, I don't think any of us liked him. We had to take our rank off so they didn't know what rank we were. He said, today, gentlemen, we're going up on top of that mountain. And you, Hawaii's got some pretty good-sized mountains. We got up to the top of the mountain, and on the mountain there was a pile of rocks. And they made us get down in a thinking position, in a push-up position, and jump up and down until the rocks were cutting into our elbows. Everybody left that mountain, at least what I remember, everybody left that mountain with bloody elbows. And yet, and yet, 
that made me physically stronger and emotionally stronger in case I ever have to get into a combat situation. And I came out of that, boom, ready. We used to run five miles every morning with our weapons up like this. And you didn't want to put your arms down like this because they get on you. But that was a tough time physically. But when I came out of that school, don't mess with me. I was, I was strong. And I was also young. I wouldn't do that today. I don't think I could do it. But <laughs> Struggles make us stronger. They make us tougher for when the next trial comes along and you go, that's not really a trial, that's not really a trial. Because I'm strong because I've been through the fire. And then you might get hit with another one. But the fact is that God will eventually deliver you. No matter what it is, God will eventually deliver you. And again, it may not seem like it. This is the other thing to keep in mind. He keeps, verse 20, he keeps all of his bones, not one of them is broken. And, and David's mentioning here, the bones are the framework of the body. And, and they may be able to kill the body, but they can't kill your relationship to God. I don't know... I, I, think it's a, I think it's a metaphor for the fact that God only allows it to go so far, whatever trial or tribulation it is. That we just have to move to a place where we know that God is with us. There's a lot of things we're afraid of. Uh, fear is an emotion. Fear is a legitimate emotion. But we don't have the gripping fear that the lost world has. I may be afraid of something. I don't know about you, but I'm terrified of dentists. And, but what I've learned is I just asked my dentist for the sleepy pill. And, and then I wake up with a whopper all over my lap because <laughs> Ruth took me one day to the dentist and I was, I want a whopper. She called Audrey. She said, give him a whopper. And when I woke up, I was sitting there and the whopper was all over me. The fries were all over. But I made it through the fire. I made it through. I had a root canal. That was, I don't like root canals. I'll, I'll just be honest with you. They're not, they're not fun. You guys and gals have stuff that make you fearful. You may have stuff that's so deep this morning that you think, where's God? I just want to tell you, and I have to tell you, and I'm compelled to tell you that God is with you. Hang on to that. Grab that that God is with you in the midst of the trial. He sees, he knows, and he cares, and he is there with you. And if you have that anchor, if you have that anchor and it's fixed, 
no matter what comes your way, you will make it through the storm knowing that God is with you. Think about this for a minute. Think about how fortunate you are. The lost world over here has nothing. They don't have the anchor that you guys and gals have. They have absolutely nothing other than a few maybe lost friends that say, well, you know, come on, you can do this. There's no hope. It's outside of Christ. So they go through trials and tribulations with nothing. You go through them knowing that God is with you. That's a big difference. That's a huge difference. Roger Ellsworth writes in his commentary, quoting from Charles Spurgeon, David had, to come, off, David had come off with kicks and, and cuffs, but no bones broken. No substantial injury occurs to the saints. Their real self is safe. The real self is safe. They may have flesh wounds, but no part of their essential fabric of their beings shall be broken. We might be perplexed, we might be crushed, but we know the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us and he will take care of our eternal and spiritual needs. All we need to do is keep that relationship with God tight. And this person that I know is in a bad spot. You've got to give that over to God. You've got to say, God, I, I can't change this. So, if I can't change something, why would I spend time worrying about it? There has to come to a place of acceptance that God is with me no matter what it is. And if God is with me, then, then I know that I can walk through this. And that in the end, it's going to be okay. Because I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he will keep that which I committed to him until that day. Martin Luther, the great reformer, said this one time. There's two days. There's today and that day. And so take it one day at a time. Take it one day at a time. Trusting, trusting that God is near. And let him walk with you through the storms of life. And guide you safely into the kingdom. Uh, I don't know, 